0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from the Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano.
1: Show in Philly, Boston. Welcome
0: back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we are still talking about Smash, the NBC series that chronicled the creation of a Broadway musical and all the drama that ensued along the way.
1: Theater fans like us had a love-hate relationship with Smash when it aired. While we were excited to see musical theater beamed into our homes week after week, the show wasn't landing with a wide audience. So
0: we're going back episode by episode to figure out why. We're diving into each episode to figure out why something as emotional as creating a Broadway musical could land flat with TV audiences. So let's dive in and talk about season one, episode 13, Tech. Aaron, give us the stats.
1: (laughs) Happy to, Mo. Tech premiered on April 30th, 2012. It was written by Jason Grote and Lakshmi Sundaram. And directed by Roxanne Dawson. Fun fact, for any listeners who might also be Star Trek fans, Roxanne Dawson played Chief Engineer Belana Torres on Voyager. <laughs> You're so happy about that. <laughs> I'm like the only person that applies to. Um, <laughs> sadly, viewership dipped back down, even despite the surge from the previous week, amounting to a mere 5.34 million. Songs this week mainly featured non-Smash properties. We got an opening montage set to Cole Porter's Another Open in Another Show, sung by Christian Borle, and a cover of Rose Royce's slash Mary J. Blige's song, I'm Going Down, sung this time by Megan Hilty. The two other songs we heard were snippets from tech that we heard in previous episodes, History is Made at Night, and The 20th Century Fox Mambo. And bring on that good, good synopsis, Mo. It's another opening of another show for
0: the cast of Bombshell. The company makes the journey from New York to Boston for the show's pre-Broadway tryout. The ensemblists are joyously rolling their roller bags through Grand Central Station. Linda, the stage manager, is ushering costume racks into the dressing rooms. We are full of theater excitement, people. <laughs> With the first preview only two days away, the show is not ready for an audience. Derek is on the verge of having a stroke with the show's technical elements barely coming together. The number one rule of tech is nobody has any time. Derek doesn't have the time to tell Rebecca that her leading man has quit the show for a TV pilot. But when Julia hears that Eileen is thinking of bringing Michael Swift back, she gives Eileen an ultimatum. She could have Michael or her on the production, but not both. Rebecca admits to Karen that she's nervous about performing Marilyn for an audience. For the first time, Derek seems to direct, telling Rebecca to use her star power in her performance. But he uses and abuses his own star power, giving her shoulder massages that lead to a dressing room makeout session. Ivy goes through her own emotional roller coaster, starting with Derek saying he loves her before she gets the chance to stand in for Marilyn to being relegated to changing Rebecca's gloves and listening to her and Derek make out from outside her dressing room. Backstage during rehearsal, Jessica tells Karen, No civilians during tech. We're in the middle of a war. They don't get it. Dev decides to come up to Boston to visit Karen anyway, and while out at a romantic dinner, proposes to Karen. The following is a verbatim conversation between Dev and Karen as he pulls out the ring and Can I ask you to read the role of Dev? Aaron?
1: Absolutely, I would be I would be honored to. All right, will you marry me? Marry you? Yeah, it's not at all all that crazy, is it? Of course not. I I just don't know what to say. Say yes.
0: I'm in tech.
1: Is that the same thing as a yes?
0: I, I'm sorry, Dev. I'm just under so much pressure. Tech is so crazy. It's sounding
1: more and more like a no. It's
0: not a yes or a no. It's I'm in tech. And scene. Buh, buh, bum. <laughs> oh gosh, daytime Emmy goes
1: We're intact. What did you think of this episode, Aaron J. Albano? <laughs> um, I'm on the fence because I think in terms of capturing the excitement, especially in the opening montage, the excitement of getting to a show and get, and like getting into the theater and get like all of those things felt like they rang true on top of the no time and just everything's moving at the speed of light, I thought that it went, that the episode felt really good. I do still think everything that you've been saying up to this point, where like, why can't we just rely on the drama of putting on the show instead of putting on more and more drama on top of that? That still rings too, because there was so much in this episode that had to do with the show that was exciting enough.
0: I liked it. I did. i love, first off, I loved that opening montage. Like, I did too. Uh, I thought that was exactly, I thought we used music in this episode really well. We, because it was you and me, Aaron. Um, <laughs> the orchestrations in that opening montage when we, they would oh, like, my in, let me be your star. I was like, wait, this feels like a movie. This feels like what Smash should have always felt like and hasn't necessarily felt like since the pilot.
1: Absolutely. I feel like it was. Because that orchestration took me by surprise every time it showed up. It really carried me into the excitement that we were watching Karen feel getting to Boston. I did
0: hate all of the ensemblists meeting up in Grand Central Station and literally like dancing with their roller bags down the track. No, no. The <laughs> See, way that, I was, fi- I was th- fine with it. The because, way that Manny Santos like comes up and hugs Kat McPhee and is like, oh my gosh, we're here hugging. In Grand Central,
1: I was like... <laughs> That's such NYC energy, like from Annie. <laughs> yes, it, it, was, was, it
0: was It was big was, NYC energy.
1: It was super musical theater excitement. But I think I was fine with it, because I remember watching it in pure musical theater fashion. As the excitement heightened and the emotion heightened, I was able to be swept into the disbelief mm-hmm. a little more. Because at first, when it was first starting... It was. I had an eye roll for it, and then as it continued, I was like, no, I'm buying in. No, I'm buying in. Okay, I have the excitement that Manny has.
0: <laughs> You're <laughs> such a musical theater queen. Duh. What did you think of the rest of the use of music in the episode?
1: I liked it. Aside from the opening montage, we didn't get a whole lot of music in the show as sort of a musical would use it. Most of the mu- music we got was in context of the show where it sort of blurred that line was at the unwinding after party in yeah. the hotel.
0: I loved the idea of having a sing-off between these two characters. It was like drama that has been brewing. We want to see them sing together. I totally um, believed that West Taylor as Bobby was like you guys are going to sing and like sure. it just felt yes, like absolutely. It, it felt it felt like a real reason for a song.
1: It felt like a yeah, absolutely. I think the context of the song Was right, and it's spot on, and I was able to go there with it. And then the song happened, which in itself, first off, Megan Hilty is just so good. She's so good. She's so good. She goes sitting on an air conditioner, like, giving it. This is
0: the series that launched a thousand
1: concert gigs. Actually, though. (laughs) So she delivered the song beautifully and telling the story of Ivy's sort of emotional dilemma right there, right now in that moment. But putting that journey in the middle of this sing-off felt so incorrect. Does
0: that make Right, sense? the moment afterwards where they're all s- staring at her like, <laughs> They're just Whoa. staring there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's
1: like, oh, you, you went deep. But then Bobby turns to Karen and is like, beat that, Iowa. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, so you were just watching the belting. You were not with her in her journey at all. (laughs) Doesn't that feel real, though? Literally. Um,
0: Okay, so what did you think about the, like, quote-unquote bad acting scene between Bobby and Jessica? This is the scene that um, Tom sort of writes on the fly because Julia's not there. And it's it's very much like an in-one interstitial scene where they're like, I don't yeah. know who she is, but she seems like she's going to be a star. What's her name?
1: <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Like it's, I, don't
0: know, I. What did you think about that moment?
1: <laughs> As a moment, I loved it because I was like, what's happening? This is so rich, which is what it was supposed to be. Yes. <laughs> but, and I thought Savannah and Wes played it beautifully. But all I could think was, wow, this show is a rough show to be out of town. (laughs) Because then the next scene, like literally the cutaway is Tom being like, I'm not a writer. (laughs) I was just like, um, except you kind of are. (laughs) Right. And if you have any legitimacy in this business whatsoever, you have better instincts than this. What did you think of Sam's
0: speech at the end? Now, this is the one you're talking about on the porch of his parents' house after Tom and Sam go over to, um, Sam's parents' house for dinner.
1: Yeah, it was probably my most favorite ensemblist moment of the entire episode Aww. because his speech. I wrote it down. Hold on. He said, "None of it. None of it is up to you or my dad. Tom, do you honestly think I have never thought of all this before?" I made a decision to do what I love to do, and I accept everything that comes along with that. Whatever happens next, I accept it. That is what theater is. It is joy one day, and it is gone the next. It's like a religion, and I don't apologize for wanting to be a part of that, and I don't wish for something more. I really don't. I, listeners, we're recording this during quarantine week number one, (laughs) and the way I was watching this, and it was just hitting in so many of the fields because this is where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, A, generally, this is sort of the mantra of all of us that we that enter this field. Like, this is what we, we're here to do. This isn't... It was the perfect speech to combat all the people who are like, but what about doctor? What about lawyer? What about all those other jobs that, frankly, do not bring us life or love or passion. And it's this speech that it's like, yo, this is what we do this for. It's here and then it's gone. And like we're looking around right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: theater is gone. <laughs> and <laughs> all of us are now like, what do we do? But this is what we're here for. This is what we signed up to do. This is what we love. And it's not like we're all... It doesn't make you want to become a doctor. Exactly. That speech... Hit me real well. <laughs> like,
0: well, let's be doubly grateful they put it um, in the mouth of Leslie Odom Jr. Because that too, he he's taken some of the the moments of this series that could be kind of stereotypical and breathe so much life into them. Oh. yeah, You know, someone else could have said theater is a religion and I don't apologize for wanting to be a part of that. It wouldn't have hit us in the same way.
1: No, but- no. The speech was beautifully delivered and had the same resonance, if not more resonance now than it did in 2012.
0: All right. Speaking of yeah. parents, I always try to watch this show kind of with my own eyes, but also imagining my dad, who has a great knowledge of theater, but isn't in theater. Right. Okay. So I always want to be like, what dad wouldn't dad understand? And one thing I felt like they didn't really talk about is a 10 out of 12.
1: Sure. What is a 10 out of 12, Aaron? A 10 out of 12 is a rehearsal that theoretically goes for 12 hours. 10 hours out of the 12 hours is sort of the long version of the phrase. Instead of an eight hour day, like normal working, this allowance for 10 out of 12 is an extension of the day so we can put the show on its feet.
0: They're really the longest days in the creation of a show. Yeah. And because you might be working on a five second transition for hours on end, you can really lose track of time and your sort of sense of reality. Absolutely. So 10 out of 12 is sort of code words
1: for- Longer days than normal, I would yeah, say. Not
0: yeah, not even the craziest time, but like the time in which your relationship to reality is distanced. It
1: becomes manic. It becomes laser focused in what you're doing and you don't have really time or energy for anything else.
0: Okay, I want to ask you your opinion about a question that this show is asking quite prominently over and over in this again. Episode. Okay, sure. Do relationships with civilians work? <sighs> can you, crazy theater folk, be in a relationship with a normal person? What do you think?
1: Yes, you can. <laughs> you obviously can. <laughs> they exist. People do it all the time. Like every other relationship in the known world, relationships have their struggles. Tom, Tom can't. Tom and the Tom la- cannot.
0: lawyer Tom that can- he was in a relationship with whose name we don't remember.
1: These people cannot. But that's what's tough about this show. Because it's the first and at the time the only, it was sort of held up as this standard at which we can hold... The people in our business. Instead of it being just like a study of this group of people as people, this was looked at as a sort of generalization about our entire industry. Right. And that's where I think this does not (laughs) retain water, because (laughs) relationships with civilians can exist. But as we're seeing in the central relationship between a civilian and a non-civilian, I've been off of the dev train for a minute, but this is where I literally was like yelling at my screen, being like, <laughs> what are you doing in that like talk by the river, by the lake? What's up in Boston? Is it? Well, is it I think it's is like- it the ocean? I don't even know. It's like a bay. Maybe it's a bay. It's a cape. I don't know. Whatever it is that they're walking by, when he like lets it slip out that he thinks this is a stupid show, I was like, there it is. You don't take her seriously. Despite what you said in the pilot, either the show changed your character or this is a reveal that you didn't really think that because you only thought that because you were on top. And the second you are no longer on top, your entire perception changes and you think your girlfriend's work is not as worthy as yours. And I was like, it's not about... Being with a civilian versus a non-civilian, you need someone who is healthy and you mm-hmm. need someone who can respect you and what you do and honestly do that. I think if you can find that, civilian or non-civilian, you're good to go. <laughs> like, I don't know. it's The problem with Dev and Karen is not that he is a civilian and she is an actress. The problem is that he... He does not see them as equals, and that is brought to light in this episode, and it is garbage. Hmm.
0: To keep up to date with next week's recap, be sure to watch episode 14 of Smash, titled Previews. You can find Smash episodes on either the NBC app or at NBC.com.
1: The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano.
0: And me, Moe Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member. You can do that at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist.
1: You can subscribe to The Ensemblist on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or listen to all of our episodes on bpn.fm.
0: And be sure to follow us on Instagram, because that's where we share everything we're doing. And man, oh, man, we need some escapist content right now. (laughs)
1: Yes, we do.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, guys.
1: Until next time.